To my friend and co-host and radio extraordinaire, Miss Emily Reese, cheers to episode 100, take two. Cheers, sommelier Jill Mott and friend and co-host. Mm, a little reductive, but I can handle that. It'll get better with a little time in the glass. This is take two because on take one, we had a wine that was beautiful. It was a beautiful coral rosé, dark color, mm-hmm. and had nice chiseled fruit. It was from the region of Renier. It was a Gamay from the Beaujolais region, and it was a little too mousy. Yeah. So we went, procured, we were like, it has to be the right bottle. Yeah. For episode 100, and I think we did the, made the right move. It was the right move, I agree. And now we have this delicious red business in front of us. First of all, before we get into wine, we would love to take this opportunity to thank all of our patrons and our future patrons and listeners of Scores and Pores, because we could not do this without you. 100 episodes, we are almost, we're coming upon our two years of, of releasing them, and... It's been an absolute joy to do. So for all of our existing patrons, to all of you, we we couldn't thank you enough. You can sign up to be a patron on patreon.com slash scores and pours. There are various levels. All of them you get patron-only content. In some cases you get free merch. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And if you can't donate, it's our gift to you. We love doing it. So thanks for listening. And you can follow us on Instagram if you have any questions or comments you can send us a DM or a show idea, you know, some kind of favorite, whatever. DM us at Scores and Pours. Uh, today, though, we're going to talk about things that we're really into. So I'm going to talk about two jazz artists that I really like right now. One's a trumpet player named Ambrose Akin Musseri. Another is a keyboardist named Robert Glasper. And two classical projects that I'm very excited about. One is a brand new album out by uh, one of my favorite pianists. He's a Norwegian fella named Leif Ova Ansnes. So I'm going to briefly talk about that album that I'm into right now. And I'm going to talk about a string quartet that that has, you know, kind of ambitious cutting edge projects. And they have a new album that's uh, either out or coming out very soon. So we'll talk about uh, the Attacka Quartet. I'm going to talk about the wine we brought, of course, uh, (laughs) today. But I'm also going to just speak to not only what I'm into um, in the world of wine. I may venture off into spirits and beer, but I'll probably keep it pretty close to the, the fermented grape beverage. And also, you know, just to talk about some themes in wine that I find amusing. And I'm just going to kind of dance around the topic of like inspiration right now and some arguments that I'm sick of in wine. I'm just going to sit over here and just kind of <laughs> muse on things. And <laughs> will I, will I taste and drink the wine? That's that what I'm going to do. Fantastic. Why don't we do what we did in take one and yeah. start off with some, some soul. Yeah, that's great. I mean, uh, I love pianist Robert Glasper. Uh, he was born in 1978, and he is, I would say, one one of the most famous crossover jazz artists. Um, he's done a lot of work with hip-hop and R&B as well, and so some of his albums will be labeled as hip-hop. Some of his albums are labeled R&B. Some of them are called jazz albums. And so really a true crossover 
artist in that way and a fantastic keyboardist. So let's go ahead and listen to an album of his called Covered, which is a really great example of his uh, crossover work because it has jazz standards on it, but then it also has other covers, as they are known, and uh, by a tune by John Legend called Good Morning. So let's have a listen. Now, you and I have been caught listening to Erica Badu Radio, and yeah. I've seen this name, right? Yeah, she sang with him on a, a track called Afro Blue. And dream all the Robert's album called Black Radio, which came out in like 2014 and is absolutely fantastic. And he got a Grammy for that and really kind of, it was, he had made a bunch of albums or a handful of albums before that. But when Black Radio came out, that really put him on the map. So here's, again, this is called Good Morning and it's from the album Covered, Robert Glasper. And I almost want to be like elevator, and then I'm like, nope, too tasty. It's way too tasty for that. It's so tasty. Just bass, drums, piano. His music always sounds great. The production on his music is always just spot on. It just sounds great. And because you were saying he produces as well, right? Yeah, he kind of is a jack of all trades. All the things. Um, so let's listen to something that cuts a little more on the hip-hop edge. You yeah, wanna? please. And this actually still blends in jazz, which we'll hear, uh, because pianist Herbie Hancock is on this track. And this is from an album he released last year called Fuck Yo Feelings. You can relate to that, Robert. wanting to be like vibey there's like synthy what's the little in the, the little finger instrument the thumb piano or mbira yes it sounds yeah. like that a little bit there's like a little bit of a yep. few different textures happening i love it so much Much of a dreamer, have premonitions, reminiscing about the old. We fast forward to the Herbie Hancock part. Well, sure. Get it, Herbie. Mm. 
That's uh, the piano on a Casio 1984 setting, right? <laughs> of guitar, maybe? A keytar? <laughs> yeah. And Robert Glasper, if I haven't said it yet, is a tremendously talented keyboardist in his own right, and I love listening to him solo on anything. And one of my favorite things to do, I I love to just go on YouTube and listen to live Robert Glasper shows on YouTube because they're always interesting. There's always something cool going on musically, poetically, just all kinds. I just love his projects. He's in another band called R plus R equals now, which is great. You can also find his music under Robert Glasper experiment, Mm -hmm. which is great. Uh, great group he's got. And yeah, just really cool stuff from Robert Glasper. Should I tell you a little bit, because this wine is equally as tasty before I tell y'all what we're drinking. I'm just really into, you know, there's a lot of right now, there's arguments, what is natural wine? Who's not sick of those of those stupid arguments of like sulfur, no sulfur, copper sulfate in the vineyard or not? Yes, who cares? You One should care. But like yeah. just don't try to convince everyone else. Look at how politics, look at how that's going for us. You know what I mean? <laughs> so just like do your thing, yeah. fucking do it well, and if you make good wine, people will buy it and you will have supporters. And like this wine that we're drinking here from La Moresca, I... Lately, well, and for a long time, have just, you know, I kind of, I, I'll buy when I see an importer I like. I, I hardly ever buy the same wine twice because I always want to learn and experience new flavors. And you start to, you know, an importer will have, we've done a show on it before, an umbrella philosophy of like why they're sourcing X vignerons, Y vignerons, Z vignerons. And so this is from an importer called Selection Naturelle. And they represent a really cool producer from eastern Sicily, La Moresca. Now, you and I have tasted a rosato, a rosé from them, mm-hmm. and it was a little reductive, meaning kind of smells like eggs and sulfur and like matchstick until you just give it a little bit of oxygen. And then all of a sudden it's like, whoa, and just like brims with life. <laughs> and that's what I'm looking for. I want wines that are brimming with life, wafting from the glass. They can they cannot be super aromatic too. It's, mm-hmm. well, you know, it just doesn't it's not doesn't have to be like loud and in charge. Mm-hmm. But I just want it to be I want it to inspire me to learn more because after 20 years in the business, I mean, you're probably saying this right now, maybe you're like, Jill, just shut up. Like I'm usually <laughs> like, God, people just shut up. There's so much noise, <laughs> so much Instagramming. Everybody's like an Instagram hound and just feeding on becoming like Instagram little natural wine stars. And you're just like, wow, which is great. <laughs> yeah. Anything that's going to bring anybody to wine is awesome. But like, that's all cool. I just, all I want to do is I want to smell. I just want to be transported in this case to the Southern, the foothills of Mount Etna to the small province of Catania, and to this little joint venture by Filippo Rizzo and his wife Nancy, partner in crime both in love and enology and things farming. They have about 10 plus hectares of uh, like a farm, and then about just under half of that is planted to vines. And they make a few different reds and a rosé. And this is their frappato, 
everybody that knows Sicilian wine and Southern Italian wine, they will have heard of frappato. But here they call it Nero Capitano. So that's just in big Art Deco, kind of an ugly label, but I'm not, I'm not a label <laughs> whore. I don't, like, I don't care what it looks like. Just I want it to be good juice. Yeah. And I thank you. <laughs> thank you, people at Selection Natural. Thank you, Filippo and Nancy, for making inspirational juice. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you why I think it's inspirational in a moment. What do you think when you smell it and taste it? It's very fruity, which I love. Mm-hmm. And it smells, you know, just kind of of like cherries. Yeah. Like, do you notice how it's not too tannic? Oh, yeah. It's very light tannin in that way. But Thank you, quite Filippo. fruity. Thank you, Filippo, for not only hand harvesting the grapes, which is obviously like that's what that's like a checkbox for the okay. whole natural wine, whatever. But then he's destemming everything and, you know, everything's done by hand. But he's not allowing frappato. A lot of people would let this sit for weeks, if not sometimes months on the skins, to get texture, aroma. He's looking for that sweet spot of being like fruity and juicy and just tasting of the grape, but not getting too tannic. And so you just get this sort of boisterous, dry, yeah. but like fruity wine that's really yeah. pleasant to drink. It's not too heavy. No. Um, but it's very vivacious. And yeah. I just... Thank you for the glass of life, not only the people that are importing it, but the people that are making it. Because that's what I'm looking for, right? That's what yeah. I'm into right now. Does it, do we need it? Are we into pet nets? Yep. Are we into yeah. orange wines? Just drink something good Just that drink makes you good. happy. And, and not faulty. We, yeah. had, we, had to, we had to return. And it was a really good wine out of the gate. It was, yep. And I'll talk about faulty in a moment, but I won't go too long because it's a soapbox that I really only want to spend like 30 seconds on, maybe three minutes, but let's listen to some more musica. Okay, let's listen to, do you want to go back and forth jazz classical? No, let's stick on jazz. jazz? Yeah, if you don't mind. Not at all. So uh, the next artist that I really enjoy listening to uh, right now and have been for a while, but uh, lately I've been back on Ambrose Akinmusseri, and he's from the Bay Area. In I think he grew up in in or near Oakland or or something like that, and he never really had a, a consistent teacher. He just had like loads of Bay Area mentors, which is cool, and loved to just learn about jazz history. And I guess he's an album collector, and um, he's a little younger than us here, the Scores and Pores team. Uh, but Ambrose, most most a lot of people are, <laughs> you know, in our businesses. That's it's cool true. though. Yeah, Ambrose from uh, born nineteen eighty two. And his new album is called On the Tender Spot of Every Calloused Moment. And what I love about Ambrose and his albums is he is truly working for uh, an actual, like, um, concept record where, you know, you you really can't listen to tracks individually because his philosophy is that if you make albums where you can't extract tracks, then people aren't going to buy single tracks anymore. But he also just loves the idea of having this through message, you know, uh, over the course of an entire album. Well, for friends of mine and I have talked about that quite recently, but also in the last five, six years about like, where, what happened to the album? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, nowadays you listen to an album and it's like, wow, there are like three or four good tracks and there's kind of no thread, so that's awesome that he's doing that. Yeah, he's he's works really hard at that, and and I, you know, love the way he writes. You know, this is jazz, but a very different type of jazz. And I think 
some people who participate in this type of music don't really particularly care for that word jazz as a label for it, but there is definitely, um, at least in a lot of Ambrose's music, there's a lot of free improvisation. And so, you know, you know, someone like my mom would be like, I can't listen to that, but I just find it so interesting and so, um, well thought out. So anyway, is it in the active active listening category? Is that what we're talking about here? I think it is. Yeah, okay. I mean, I I think it is, and I don't think that as a bad thing. You know, no, it just and, means uh, it it has uh, there's a space for that in certainly in my life. You know, where I'm I do listen to it while I'm doing the dishes, but it's gonna I'm listening to it. While yeah, I'm you doing might the miss dishes. a spot on those dishes. <laughs> yeah, <you're>, yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, here's Ambrose. Fantastic also, if I could not say this, I mean, this I can't overstate, he's a fantastic trumpet player too. So this is the very first track off his newest album. Again, it's called On the Tender Spot of Every Callous Moment. It just came out last year. And, you know, it's like maybe an eight or nine minute track. I can't exactly remember, but, you know, it tells a story. You know, we go places, all kinds of different directions, and it's just gratifying. desires, I don't want to say less busy. I appreciated when they it was like busy and then they kind of started to slow down. Yeah, I'm, I'm making sense of it, trying to make sense of it all in my mind. Yeah, I mean, this is, you're, you're driving. I know that we just both went to our respective family, did a whole thing over Memorial Day. You know, I headed up north and Emily headed down south and it was really fun to, to catch up on our families and like what we listen to on our drives. We're like, what do you listen to on your drive? <laughs> and this is definitely like you're listening to this alone on your drive. Yeah. Like if I were hanging out with a homie on a road trip. Yeah. I don't know if they'd be into this. Yeah, I mean. Unless you're actively listening together. Right. You know. Of course. No, nobody's catching up over this music. Yeah. No. no that And yes, you're right. Which you're I right. like that. Yes. It's got a purpose. Exactly. It's not intended as background music. Yeah. And not that anyone... Well, certainly there are artists that kind of do have that as the desired effect, but um, not everyone strives to have their music as background music for yeah. sure, but this is definitely not it. This is definitely, you know, telling a story and has very clear roadmap to it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but yeah, let's skip ahead a little. Yeah. So do you think, is this scored out, do you think? I think a lot of places are scored out. Okay. Obviously, spaces for ad-lib and stuff, but okay. 
Yeah, and it might not necessarily be scored out, but he might be saying, pianist, these are the chords I want you to play. Yeah. However you voice them is up to you, but this is what I want you to do right here. So the first track, am I right? Tide of Hyacinth? Correct, yeah. Okay. Has this really cool part in it from um, a percussionist vocalist, Jesus Diaz. Really cool part. What I love about listening to this track, because sometimes this music is like, this is all I want to listen to, and sometimes this will annoy the shit out of me, depending yeah. on where my mind is. Yeah, It's just sure. like a certain, sometimes you want to drink wine and sometimes you don't. Well, that kind of never applies to me, but you know what I mean? <laughs> it does, though, actually. There are times when you want a beer or you want a cocktail instead of a wine. Yeah, or, or not you to know. drink at all. But like, <laughs> that, you know. Those times are more rare. Let's not fool it's, ourselves. It's true. <laughs> but when I think of this sort of music, you can tell that it doesn't matter whether people like the music or not. These are talented musicians, and they also are putting things in spots where there are sounds that are recognizable in, yeah. in tandem with other sounds, and then there are sounds that are like new, and they're creating new boundaries for what people can listen to or think is possible, right? And mm -hmm. that's one thing that I think with, with wine professionals lately that I'm having the most enjoyable conversations are wine professionals that we might not agree on things, but you can tell they know what the hell they're talking about. You know, yeah. they're, they're not just taking a trumpet and blaring it out at whatever note that they don't even know the note and they're just, bla right? So, and yep. that's one thing with wine right now that I'm, I'm thankful for are the people that, you know, you want to go become a master sommelier, that's cool, or you don't, that's fine. But people that have taken the time to like read research, travel, mm -hmm. taste, learn what what their palate is all about and learning what, what produce. Because let's be honest, these producers are making wine and yeah, they want people to enjoy it and they want people to have fun and sure, get a little happy, but like chugging it like people are chugging it sometimes these days is a little bit, I, I don't know, I, I think it's doing the winemakers a little, little bit of a disservice. Again, am I happy that people are just drinking wine? <laughs> yes, I'm super happy. Yeah. Another thing I love is when I go to a wine bar or any bar that has a decent wine menu and the person behind the bar or my server or whomever, like you can tell how passionate, they're just like excited about wine. They're excited to tell you the story and they're like, but they don't, they're not like man or wine splaining. They're just like, they can gauge the level of, of like interaction you want right now more than ever. Hospitality is in a really delicate spot, right? It's weird. Yeah. Everybody's got masks on. And so like, obviously I've only been out to, not obviously, everybody doesn't know my practice. I've only been out to one place to eat mm -hmm. since COVID began. Yeah. You know, months and months and months ago. But like what I can't wait to get back into is to those people that like hospitalitarians that's also something that I'm really into is like you have honest winemakers making cool wine that mm -hmm. inspires. Mm -hmm. When you leave a place and you're like, wow, they had that by the glass or they had that, that's all fine and good. But when you can have people that know how to gauge what type of experience you have, yeah, I can't wait 
to have that again because like hospitality, yeah. I just miss my people and the people that can do it right. Is that is that weird to be into that? No. Or to like, I, I'm just really like happy about. Like, I'm like, can't wait to get back. I'm also not in a rush to get back to like restaurants. But when I do go back, I'm hoping that I get that person that's just like the honest server bartender, sommelier, I don't care, owner of the restaurant, but someone that, you know, they just, they have like hospitality in their, but they just want to take care of people. They just yeah. want to show people a good time. I know I said I was going to talk about faults. I'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. What are we going to listen to next? Well, first of all, I just want to recommend that you spend some time listening to Ambrose Akinmusri. If you want more heady jazz, first of all, he's he is an absolutely fantastic. He also has worked with Kendrick Lamar and done a lot of crossover stuff too, but he's worked with other jazz artists. So if his music and his concept albums aren't your style or you're maybe, I don't want to say not ready for that because that sounds kind of patronizing, but if you don't want that, then find him on other people's projects. There's a really great Austrian guitarist named uh, Wolfgang Mutspiel, and Mutspiel, a fantastic guitarist that's uh, recorded with Ambrose on a couple different projects, also has one of my favorite pianists on it, Brad Meldau. So find Ambrose and listen to the way he plays and approaches uh, the trumpet. It's, it's really great stuff. But let's move on to the classical world, and we'll start in this weird... Of course we will. It's episode 100. (laughs) Let's start in a weird place with episode 100. Well, I felt really bad saying that initially because I I really don't want to, but um, the Attacka Quartet, uh, Attacka is a musical term that means on to the next immediately, like this movement, no break between movements, kind of Attacka, just boom, right away. Attacar. The Attacka Quartet does a lot of really great Projects. Their newest one seems quite crossovery, and it's going to come out in July. And they've released a track from their new album, which is coming out in July 2021. We're recording this before that album comes out. So, uh, but they've released one track from it. And just remember, this is a string quartet playing a tune called Electric Powwow Drum. So they're obviously synthed up, correct? Yeah. They're, they're like mic'd up and then they're transferred to... Yeah, okay. they're using guitar pedals or something. Or, yeah, they're manipulated in some way digitally. just must be feeling like the rock and rollers of today, yeah. like with their big <laughs> string instruments, just like with their guitar pedals or whatever they're doing. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, it sounds epic. Like there needs to be like gladiators. Yeah. Or like Nicki Minaj or something. Yes. Uh, so let's go ahead and listen to an album of theirs that they released last year. And it's called Hearing It Getting Dark. And it features music that was uh, written by a Venezuelan composer named Reynaldo Moya. Interesting aside, if I may, about Venezuela is that Venezuela has a tremendous public music education program called El Sistema. And El Sistema is 
famous around the world now because they've had so many successful musicians come out of this program, and uh, most famous being who now conducts the uh, Los Angeles Philharmonic, a man named Gustavo Dudamel. And Dudamel just says, you know, that project saved my life and has saved the lives of thousands of Venezuelan children wow. just by providing them a place to learn music. Mm-hmm. And they have tre- just tremendous musicians uh, from this uh, program, and uh, Ronaldo Moya is one of them. That's beautiful. I love how chiseled it is and chunky, which is almost like the antithesis of this wine. Right. I, I know. Said, I told you it was all done in concrete, right? Did, did, did I mention that yet? Which retains kind of that fruity so. freshness. Like if this were an oak, it there may be an elegance about it, but we would lose perhaps some of that that kind of fruity nuance to more, yeah. you know, earthy, oaky flavors. And then if it were in stainless steel, this would be a fruit bomb. You know, and yeah. then it would be like maybe some explosive acidity where this has calmed down just a little bit in that porous concrete. I really enjoy it. One thing that I do want to just touch on because, you know, here at Scores and Pours, the majority of the things we feature are like more honest, more natural. Not all of them are natural wine. You know, we featured freaking hard seltzer a couple of weeks ago, right? We were talking <laughs> about that. But we tend to feature a certain style of wines here on the show and like in the take one. We opened wine, and man, was it really good. That nose was gorgeous. And the first few sips were okay. And then we were like, well, now we need to go and and deal with this problem. Well, we knew immediately, though, that it was mousy. We just didn't know until a few sips in whether we were going to be able to tolerate it or not. Because for a lot of people, for some people, that... They don't want any mouse, right? But some people can tolerate a little. And so like mouse, just to quickly reiterate, mousy is a is one of the many faults that can happen to wine, but it's basically a compound that tastes like once the bacteria it, it, things happen in your mouth, the pH, when it's really low, so high acid, you can't really detect it. But once it melds with your saliva, the wine melds with the saliva, that compound becomes noticeable. So the Frito-Lays on the finish, yeah. the almondy on the finish becomes noticeable. And it sometimes is like the equivalent of someone has just ever so slightly oversalted your food, ever so slightly. Where yeah. you're like, well, okay. But most of the time it's like when you are like, shit, this whole, I can't even eat the soup because it's so salty. Yes. Yep. And so in this situation... Emily and I were like made the judgment call of like this is episode one hundred. We yeah. don't want to talk about a mousy wine. Yeah, and this is where I I don't care how natural you are. I don't care if you use no sulfur or a little smidgen of sulfur or whatever you're gonna do. In my book, yeah, don't give me wine that's like don't give me oversalted food and expect me to pay forty dollars. Yep. For I don't and I don't care if you're dogmatic. Like that's just a, a, a discussion I'm like sick of having. But. Faulty wines, something that I think is not okay in the world of any wine, yeah. let alone natural wine. I yep. get that it can be a, if you're trying something out, yikes, I'm happy to be your guinea pig. Just don't expect me to pay you to then be your guinea pig kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Does and that I make mean, sense I, or am I being kind of a dink? No, that makes total sense. Okay. Um, 
We're going to talk to our producer in just a moment, Sam Keenan, invite him on to the show, but text him and say, hey, we're going to talk to you a little later than expected because we started and we got this wine and it's faulty. And so we took it back and got our money back and got a different wine. And he was like, it never occurred to me that you could take wine back for being faulty, but of course you can. But it's just something you, well, I don't think people realize. It's like, well, and some people say that's the game you're playing. You, some people say you can't. Okay, and I think, well, that's just an out. Now you're giving people an out to make bad wine. Yeah, but okay, what inspires me? The honesty, the transparency, the inspiration. Yeah. I want to travel via glass. I want it to taste good. And you love a story too. I do. I love a story. And like Etna has become a very expensive place to drink wine in and around the eastern part of Italy. Okay. Around Mount Etna. Most wines can be I, I don't I shouldn't say age worthy, but they they can have like a lot of nose, a lot of aromatics. We talked about being reductive, a little bit sulfuric. Some can be sulfuric because they're tasting volcanic which is really cool. Okay. But it's become quite pricey real estate and the wines reflect that and I love that these wines have remained affordable. Are they a little bit more expensive? Sure. This wine's mid 30s. But I I do love a good story. I love that Filippo and his wife Nancy, they met in Belgium. Filippo is running a wine program in Belgium and he was one of the first people at the time in that country to run a wine program that you know had its center at its core was more naturally made wines. And they decided to come back to Sicily because of his family roots. And I love that, you know, that he's probably making half, I mean, I don't know, but he's probably making half the money he was making in Belgium. Like nobody makes a ton of money being a natural wine rock star, right? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's about living, I think in this world and you and I can attest to this at the podcast. It's about like living our best lives and like, I don't know, let me ask you this before we get on to more classical music. How has the podcast been difficult through the last, we'll say, year and a half and and Mm -hmm. partially COVID, and how has it been great uh, over the last year? I think, uh, you know, I always kind of can look back on things I said on the radio or maybe things I said to people I interviewed, and I'm like, oh, why did I say that? (laughs) And then I'll be like, I don't feel that way at all anymore, you know. So sometimes there, I've had moments like that, um, and those that's just challenging as you grow as a person, you know, or learn about whatever that you're trying to learn. That journey, you know, can, is public and can just be. You just kind of learn. You're like, well, now I know I what's right. <laughs> Or whatever, you know, so I've definitely had my fair share of that, I think, just throughout all of my broadcasting career. But it's just, I've always loved talking about classical and jazz and encouraging people to enjoy it. And so, I mean, that's just always been a pleasure for me. So, and now you just get to drink yeah. while you're doing it. Come <laughs> exactly. on, exactly. And 98 percent of the time, for yeah. That. No, there's been like one thing that I actually did not like throughout that whole experience, other than you know some of the stuff we knew we weren't gonna like, but um, like when we drank the, we did the additives. Yeah, the stuff well, that that's just amazing. really overly bastardized yeah, and checked tampered with. We bought like 199 little little tiny bottles. Yeah. And we talked we had like bought like CO2 injected bubbles. That's the stuff that you'll wake up with a headache. 
you know. Just smelling it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, those are probably my that, that's probably my favorite thing. And it plus it's like really fun to do it with a person because I've been podcasting for years and I'm always interviewing someone or featuring another human, but it's still a very different dynamic than having a co-host and having someone to like experience music. And of course, whatever beverage we're drinking is also just been a really fun, fun thing. So I don't know. How about you? I think the difficulties have been few. One of them is like when we try to like brainstorm show ideas and we can tell like if Mercury is retrograding because I'll be (laughs) like, so what if we feature whatever? It could be a theme. And then Emily's like, what if we just never do that because that sounds like an awful idea. And I'm like, Uh, wait a minute, uh, wait a minute. You usually win though. I do. I I feel like I have a, a... a pretty good grasp on like I ho- I hope like what you know you and I could not only tackle together but what people mm-hmm. would maybe find interesting, but they've been few. I think the challenges have been way less than the benefits. It's a the last year has been really hard for a lot of people, myself included, and this has been just like a little you know I would say a blip, but it ends up occupying a freaking lot of time. Um, it's been a really beautiful like joyful time to like not only learn of course from you and and about but to share my love of wine with people you and our listeners because I can't I'm not doing that right now in person our sh- our wine shop just reopened up there was a year that I wasn't seeing people in the wine shop I haven't been in a restaurant so this is like my way of you know not only enriching my co-host's palate and and your mind of course <laughs> but like the greater whomever is downloading our podcasts, thankfully, week in and week out, like thousands of downloads. It's like amazing. It is. And we're so lucky for that. So that's um, been a really, a, a real joy to share. I like, I know people, Fraser Crane, I know you're listening. So <laughs> I'm listening. <laughs> what do you got for us? What's next? Well, we'll end with uh, some just really great Mozart because why not? This Norwegian pianist that I really like, Leif Ove Ansnes, he has uh, just at the end of May released a new album that explores the piano music that Mozart wrote in 1785. In 1785, Mozart was prolifically writing music. He just experienced a real creative burst. And he wrote a couple piano concertos, piano quintet or piano quartets, other solo piano works. And on this new album, Leif plays a lot of that, and he plays alongside the Mahler Chamber Orchestra, which is a fantastic chamber orchestra. Just a reminder that a chamber orchestra is smaller than a symphony orchestra, tends not to have a full brass section and a full percussion section. They might not have brass or percussion at all, but likely would have at least a handful of woodwinds, things like that. So let's listen to some of, uh, just to be happy, uh, Mozart's... (laughs) 21st Piano Concerto in C Major. This is Leif Ove Ansnes. The album, by the way, which just came out, is called Mozart Momentum, 1785. So here's a little bit of the 21st Piano Concerto by Mozart. This is the final movement of the 21st Piano Concerto.
What I love is that we're ending here because as I'm listening to this, it is obviously, it's going to sound stupid for me to even say, but it's a classic. And then yeah. it's freaking Mozart. Yeah. And we have someone now putting out, this is what he wants. He wants to put out this prolific. And you know what mm-hmm. I say to that? Add a small amount of sulfur. <laughs> like just let's, yes, let's make the wine. Like, yes, let's do that. Let's make the wine enjoyable. Let's make the wine drinkable. Yeah. Because purity is like anybody that knows purity knows that you don't need to be dogmatic to be pure. Like it needs to be in the deeper essence of the things. And mm-hmm. like you might need to pay more attention to get to that essence. But in the end, I can listen to this and. Yeah. I mean, bye bye last three centuries. Yeah. Like I'm back there. <laughs> yeah. Know? And I taste this wine and has he used a touch of sulfur? Yes. But can, do I get the essence of the sandstone and the soils and the volcanic nature, mostly sandstone, that is this part of Italy and Sicily? Sicily, yes. yes. And do I taste frappato at its most juicy and like young and pristine? Yes. Well, before we cheers to scores and pours and the essence and purity of all things, keep listening to S&P for years to come, let's let's ring in our producer, shall we? This wouldn't be possible without him. Yeah, let's give producer Sam Keenan a jingle. So we want to know, Sammy, are you drinking anything right now? I'm not. Should I? <laughs> yes. Yes, you should get a little something so we can all cheers. <laughs> To the 100th episode of Scores and Pours. All right, well, hang on one second. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right, so what are you pouring yourself, Sammy? I'm pouring myself a small bit of tequila. Yes. Emily called it. I did. Which one? It's all I've got, which is uh, El Himidor. Yes. And is it the Blanco? Yep. Yep. Yes. Silver, yes. The light, yep. refreshing, love that. Why do you go to tequila and, I don't know, say not gin? Like, what, what about tequila? Uh, I've, I haven't ever been much of a gin guy, but uh, I don't like beer because it makes me sick to my stomach. Wine tends to give me a headache. And uh, whiskey is a bad idea. <laughs> okay. So... <laughs> <laughs> so so it just kind of narrows down quickly. And <laughs> All right. I, I've, I've been uh, resting on tequila for a while. Welcome, Blue Agave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it makes Sammy feel healthy. Love it. Uh, so what have you been, um, you know, first of all, Sam, I've been working with you since probably twenty early 2011, I think. And you're like yeah. an amazing producer, which is great. And so I'm so happy that we work on this project together too, and it's awesome that we've put out 100 episodes thanks to you obviously too um but you know you and i've been talking about music that whole time and you always are listening to something fun and so i'm curious what you're listening to these days i know you also listen to a lot of talk like political talk because you're very interested in politics but when you're listening to music what what's uh, what's happening the latest thing um, that I've been listening to that I thought was kind of interesting was this uh, group called Pi Louis. 
That's P-Y-E-L-U-I-S. Oh, and, okay. And um, it's like some, it's like experimentalish electronic stuff. Yeah, and they've got uh, stuff up on Bandcamp, so then they're not hard to find. But but that yeah. that's the most interesting thing that I've found recently, and that's pretty different and pretty out there. When you listen to it, only because today we listened to a few things that were like, they came from a jazz background, but they were noticeably, it was like a melange of things. Yeah. Do you know, mm-hmm. Are they noticeably jazz? They're barely jazz. The only thing that, that would put them in the jazz category is, is that they do, you know, some improv. They mm-hmm. do some improvising while they're, while they're uh, you know, in their music and stuff, but it's more... It's more like weirdo electronic kind of, you know, sons of Bjork probably. I love I love when uh, that could be a new genre now, barely jazz. Yeah. Like yeah. when you go to Spotify and you're like I'm going to listen to jazz, afro yeah. jazz, ethno jazz, yeah. barely jazz, Latin <laughs> jazz, barely jazz. Yes. Right. Yeah, well, yeah, God. I mean, you know, improvisation really is one of the only thing that hangs jazz together anymore cuz it's so mm-hmm. diverse. Mm-hmm. It is. In and of itself, yeah. but Yep. Well, and I've always, I've been really thankful for bonfire times and that this was like a little bit of a a looser, lighter winter in terms of like just frigidness and all around because we have been able to have some some team bonfires and whatever. And like, I always love Mm -hmm. listening to some Sam Keenan recommendations because just last night, even though fully vaxxed, we're like, well, we don't want to get rid of the bonfire situation. So that kept happening. (laughs) And you were like, listen to this, listen to this. I don't know if this is appropriate. Listen to this. And the whole night I was like, yes, yes, Sammy Keenan, keep doling (laughs) out the recommendations. (laughs) And I woke up to some really frustrating Music, but also very good music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have a Sammy Keenan playlist going. It's nice. pretty great. Nice. I won't go into it now because it's not jazz or classical. Yeah. Uh, but but Deer Hoof is definitely on it. I'm just glad you yeah. don't call them Deer Hoof. Well, I mean, Deer Hoof. Deer Hoof. They're a good one for sure. They're one of my faves. But when I was a kid, I had a couple of friends that um, we used to go down to the record store and rummage for damaged uh, cassettes that we could buy for cheap. And we'd just buy anything that we found interesting. And that sent me down a weird road of listening to weird stuff forever. Mm. (laughs) Forever. What I love about how great, you know, the show sounds because of uh, Sir Sam Keenan is whenever, so just to let everybody know how this goes, Emily and I, we record an episode and then we, Emily does about a three plus hour edit job (laughs) and then I 
Yeah. We then and I, I add all the music you and I and, do yeah. about an hour, however long the episode is, an edit job. Yeah. And then we send it to Sam and say, now Sam, make us sound good. Yeah. And whatever <laughs> Emily has done to make everything sound good, like <laughs> all of the volume and tweaking, yeah. Sam gets it and throws that all out the window. Yes. <laughs> meaning meaning not Emily's cuts. Yeah. You know, like Emily cuts things and pieces things together, but all Sam, my fades, all my all fades, fades, he volume takes, things. Yep, all the volume stuff. And yeah. just Sam yep. says, you know what? Fuck all this. Yeah. Well, he does it so much, but I mean, he's like a professional that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and just, I'm just not, yeah. but it's pretty funny. Yeah. We do go it's through not so hard. a lot of editing. No, to get rid of it all is very easy and fast. Right. <laughs> yeah, but then to do it all over again. Yeah. <laughs> well, time to wrap it up, yeah. I think. To not only 100 episodes, but to Emily and Sam, couldn't do this without you. And to you, sommelier Jill Mont, and producer Sam Keenan, pleasure as always. Cheers. Scores and fours, guys. Scores Chin and fours, Sammy. ladies. Thank you for listening to this episode of Scores and Pours with Jill Mott and Emily Reese, episode 100. You can find links and information about this episode and how to support us financially and how to get some merch, all the things at patreon.com slash scores and pours. We are on Instagram at scores and pours. You can send us a direct message there. If you got show ideas, comments, suggestions, we'd love to hear. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Consider supporting the musicians we featured today and the winemakers, for that matter, by buying their music and their wine. Edited by Jill Mott and Emily Reese, our producer is Sam Keenan. Scores and Purrs is a production of June Media Inc. I almost said Scores and Purrs. <laughs> June. June. Little kid.